0: open your Bibles once again to the Gospel according to Matthew and the 7th chapter going to be reading this morning Matthew chapter 7 beginning with the 15th verse and reading through the 20th verse let's listen now to the inspired word of God Jesus still speaking beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. And here ends our reading from God's perfect word as we're continuing our series on the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of heaven. This morning we are well into Jesus' concluding remarks uh, in this first great uh, of the five discourses in the uh, gospel of the kingdom of heaven, the gospel according to Matthew. Remember that having gone up on the mountain, Jesus, just like Moses went up Mount Sinai or Elijah went up Mount Carmel, Jesus, having sat down in the teacher's seat of authority, has laid out for us the basic principles of life in the kingdom of heaven. And as he's drawing his Sermon on the Mount to an end, he gives us Uh, last week's verses and this week's and the next uh, two weeks he gives four sobering uh, warnings to his followers the first warning last week was in verses 12 to 14 where Jesus uh, gave the caution enter by the narrow gate. Walk on the straight and narrow path of righteousness. Reject the broad and easy way because it only leads to destruction. And he's, he's uh, uh, introduced again that idea of destruction that awaits those who walk the wrong way. In today's uh, verses, Jesus uh, takes up the warning again. Beware, he says, of false prophets okay, of counterfeit Christian teachers in other words of false prophets they will try to turn you away from the straight and narrow they will try to turn you away from my teaching and Jesus says they will be cut down and everybody else who follows them they will be cut down and they will be thrown into hellfire that's the warning. It's a very severe kind of a warning. These are verses that are not often preached in the contemporary feel good Christianity like churches. And yet, it's a major part of Jesus' teaching, not only in the Sermon on the Mount, but throughout the entire Gospel according to uh, Matthew. Okay. So, the topic today then is this idea of false teachers false prophets. I want you to notice five things about them. Uh, First of all, false prophets are on the prowl. Verse 15, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. False prophets are on the prowl. They are, Jesus says, ravenous wolves. You might remember that the Apostle Peter in his first letter wrote, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, 1 Peter 5.8. Well, those roaring Lions, or as Jesus calls them, ravening wolves, are not always in demonic form. The demons are active. They are roaring lions, and they are going about diligently, seeking for someone to devour. But there are equally dangerous, Jesus makes it clear, human wolves. And those, those human wolves are Are false prophets. They are, in a word, heretical teachers of the Christian faith. It's always been so throughout all history. The true prophets of the Old Testament gave frequent warnings about it. If you re, just read the books of Moses or read Isaiah, read, read Micah, just to name a few. They all warn about false prophets. God spoke directly to the prophet Jeremiah about the danger of false prophets. And Jeremiah wrote this, And the Lord said to me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name I have not sent them I have not commanded them they prophesy to you a false vision divination a worthless thing and the deceit of their heart Jeremiah 14 14. So God tells Jeremiah, yeah, there are these people right in Israel who are claiming to be prophets, but what they are prophesying is lies. Okay? I haven't sent them. I haven't then commanded them to go. I haven't given them words to say. They're giving you a false vision like divination, hocus pocus, magic, black magic. A worthless thing, something to be thrown out, okay, and the deceit of their heart. Remember Jeremiah is the one that talks about the the deceit and the darkness of the human heart. The danger was present in the Old Testament and the same danger was present in the church of the New Testament. It's amazing how often the books of the New Testament talk about false prophets in their own day once again turning to the Apostle Peter he first refers to the Old Testament and then applies that to the New Testament he says this there were also false prophets there were also false prophets among the people but then he goes on and he says even as there will be false teachers Among you, false prophets in the Old Testament, false teachers in the New Testament. And many will follow their destructive ways, the road that leads to destruction, the broad and comfortable way. Many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth, the straight and narrow, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. Second Peter chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. And Jesus, more than once, okay, warns his disciples about false prophets. Okay. In uh, the last of the five great discourses in this gospel, we're going to hear Jesus say this. False Christ's and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive if possible even the elect behold behold i have told you beforehand matthew 24:24 24, 24. Not just Peter, not just Jesus, the Apostle Paul repeats the warning. After having established the church in Ephesus, remember the Apostle Paul was still on another missionary journey and he can't get back to the city of Ephesus, but he calls for the elders of the church in Ephesus to come and to meet him. And this is what he says to them. He says, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I am not a ravenous wolf. I am not a roaring lion. I am innocent of the blood of all men. For how is it now that Paul is not a ravenous wolf, a false prophet? For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole Counsel of God, by their fruits you will know them. I have not shunned to declare to you the whole council of God. Therefore, Paul continues, take heed warning constantly. Behold, take heed, pay attention, look out, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. That's the purpose of overseers. The purpose is to watch out for the ravening wolves. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the good shepherd watches, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, Paul says, that after my departure, savage wolves, almost the exact same word Jesus uses, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 26. The Apostle Paul repeated his warning in writing to the church in Corinth where the wolves were well inside. And he warns the Corinthians about, quote, false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ, putting on, you see, the the sheep's skins, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 12. They're wolves in sheep's clothing, we say. The Apostle John, (laughs) virtually all the writers of the New Testament, the Apostle John gave the same warning, quote, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. See, talking about Demons? Angelic spirits? What's he talking about? Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Just like Jesus said. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. You could hardly expect how in the world the new testament could give more warnings about the ugly reality of false teachers there are many false prophets jesus says beware of false prophets who you could translate it are coming to you they're coming to you in sheep's clothing there are many false prophets false teachers in the false teachers of the christian faith In the Old Testament and in the New uh, the Apostolic Church and right through today. Secondly, I want you to notice that false prophets are not only on the prowl, but false prophets are within the church. Look carefully at verse 15 again. Beware of false prophets who come to you. Who's he talking to? His disciples who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. False prophets are not only on the prowl, they're on the prowl within the very church itself. Jesus says they are coming to you. They are coming to the church. They are coming for the disciples, the true disciples of Jesus Christ. That's who the false prophets want to find. Okay, And they come... In sheep's clothing, wrapped up to look just like Jesus' little lambs. Okay. Once again, Peter, if you notice that, when I quoted Peter before Second Peter two, one, he wrote, There will be false teachers among you. See, they're not only outside the church, they're inside the church. Paul continued with his very stark words to those Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. He continued, and this is what he said. He says, Also from among yourselves, the elders of the church, also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away The disciples after themselves. Acts 20 verse 30. See, many false prophets rose up, have risen up, and have left the organized Christian church. They proclaimed a new religion. Mohammed, that's not Christianity, that's Islam. Mary Baker Eddy, Christian Science. That's not Christianity. Somebody once said it's it's neither scientific nor Christian. Christian science. Pastor Russell, the Jehovah's Witness, anathematized the rest of the church. They start a new church. Joseph Smith. I know the Mormons today want to be considered, very, very interested in being considered Christians, but they are not Christians no matter what kind of sheep clothing they may have on. Some false prophets rise up and start new churches. But the startling thing is that most false prophets, most false teachers don't leave the church. They stay inside the church and they want to be considered inside the church. wonder why. Why? Wanna just just leave. You don't believe in the Trinity? Leave. I think Paul gives us some insight. For example, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, Paul is, is, again talks about his own uh, uh, apostleship. For we are not, that's the apostolic plural, we apostles. For we are not. As so many, there are so many others, but we are not as so many peddling the word of God. Peddling the word of God. What's it mean to peddle something? It means to sell junk and get money from it. Hucksters of religions selling snake oil. To make a profit, and boy, they're successful. Some of the largest congregations you'll see, big TV audiences, popular, living in mansions, mansions, making a lot of money. That's one reason. There's a lot of money to be had there. There's a second reason, I think, and that, the second reason is nominal Christians in the church. Nominal, the tares amongst the wheat. Why are the false prophets in the church? Well, because there's such a big harvest in the church. There are so many tares in the church. It may be that most of the church is tares. It's very possible. Very possible. Okay. And so... The Apostle Paul warned Timothy about it. This is what Paul said to Timothy. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. He's not talking about the false prophets here. He's talking about the tares in amongst the wheat. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, false teachers, false prophets. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. The false prophets stay in the church Because there are so many false Christians in the church. And they have itching ears. And they like what the false prophets are teaching. They like it. And then, Jude, Jesus' brother, one little tiny epistle, you know, right before the book of Revelation. And Jude... Boy, he's a plain speaker. And he assigns a very stark motivation to false teachers. This is what Jude says about them. Certain men have crept in, past tense, certain men have crept in unnoticed, ungodly men, who turn the grace of God into lewdness, filthiness, dirtiness, perversion, okay. who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They love immorality and they hate God and they hate godliness, and that's the truth. Jude chapter 1, verse 4. Why are there so many false teachers, false prophets? They make money, and it's easy because there's so many terrors in the church, and because they're rotten at the core. They're lewd, they're filthy, and they hate God and they hate godliness, and they don't want people living godly lives. Isn't that what you're seeing today? All the churches with perverted marriages, so-called, and so on and so forth, they just plain, ordinary hate God. And to pound on my personal little drum on this, and that's why they don't like the Psalms. Because you're up against God you're up against God when you sing the Psalms <laughs> so they stay in the church to lead as many astray as possible they hate Christ they hate Christianity and they want to lead people away thirdly I want you to notice That Jesus says that the false prophets are not only on the prow, and they're not only within the church, but they are deadly. Once again, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They are deadly. They are vicious. These spiritual pied pipers come dressed in sheep's clothing with all the outward adornments of being truly wise and loving healing of soul, healers of souls. They speak smooth words and oh they sound so wise and so understanding and in reality they are the false teachers about whom the Apostle Paul warned Timothy, quote, Desiring to be teachers of the law, they understand neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, they are spiritual quacks. They do not know the word of God. They don't know what they're talking about. How easy it is to turn on the TV or go to the internet and hear so-called Christian teachers who have no idea. No idea what they're talking about. They are ignorant of the word of God. They attract hearers who are also ignorant of the word of God and who want to stay that way. Who want to stay that way? They don't want preachers that preach the Word of God. Verses I just quoted you from 2 Timothy 4 3. They're preaching to people who cannot endure sound doctrine. I'm not going to come to that church. Talk about stuff like that. You make out like the Bible denies what I believe. So I'll go find another church. And that's what they do. They cannot endure sound doctrine. And they have itching ears, and boy, the false prophets know how to scratch where it itches. They make people feel good. People want to feel good. But even though they seem like they're making people feel so good, yet they are tearing the souls of people apart. They are ravenous wolves. It's just like the prophets had lamented when he said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Oh, I just believe simple Christianity. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's why Paul said, I am innocent of the blood of all men, not because I'm an innocent person, but because I have not shunned, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole counsel of God. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge of the Word of God and the doctrines of the Word. Their souls are ravaged. They are savage. They are mauled. They are butchered. And those false prophets, those false teachers are deadly. Fourthly, I want you to notice that the false prophets are not only on the prow and within the church and deadly, but some good news, they are discernible. Look at verses 16 and 17. You will know them by their fruits. The men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit they're discernible you can tell whether they're in sheep's clothing or not they're discernible they can be recognized and the way to recognize them is by their fruits now Jesus and the other uh, other books of the Bible too often uh, use the word picture of fruit to describe the signs of sanctification in a Christian's life, the good fruits of our faith. Here, when Jesus talks about the fruits of the teacher, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about their teaching. The fruit of a teacher's teaching is his doctrine. It's what he preaches. That's how you can tell false prophets, and that's the only way. Because they got sheep's clothing on. Oh, they're sweet, and they're kind, and they're successful, and they're all. But, they're fruits. their teaching. The way to discern false teachers is by their teaching, by their doctrine. That's the question you always have to ask. What's their, the word doctrine just means teaching. Isaiah spoke to his hearers about discerning false teaching how to do it back in Isaiah's day to the law and to the testimony if they do not speak according to this word it is because there is no light in them the prophet comes he says this the priest teaches it's the duty of the priest according to the book of Malachi his duty is to preserve knowledge to teach was one of the duties of the priesthood of the Old Testament to teach. Okay, and Isaiah says to the law and to the testimony, if they don't, do not speak according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. Isaiah eight and twenty. That's how you tell. Isaiah says, and that's what Jesus is saying. To discern false teachers, a person must be capable of discerning false teaching okay to discern false teachers a person must be capable of discerning false teaching or false doctrine and to discern false doctrine a person must be familiar with true doctrine or what the Apostle Paul called sound doctrine biblical doctrine The doctrine of the written Word of God. That's why one of the marks of genuine Protestantism, the Protestantism of the Reformation, of the true Christian Church, is sola Scriptura, by Scripture alone. That's not only the freedom, the liberty, and the privilege of Christians, to take their Bible to the law to the testimony and see if these things are so it is the duty of Christians it's the duty of Christians you can't be a Protestant and continue in ignorance of the Bible you can't do it but true Christians true Protestants Or like the noble Bereans of old, about whom Luke wrote that the Bereans were, quote, more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Acts chapter 17 In verse 10, the noble Bereans, uh, that's the source of the sola scriptura. They searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. The only way to discern false teachers is to know the word of God. False teachers are discerned by whether they teach the essential doctrines of the biblical Christian faith. The triune God, there is one God, but he is three persons, and they talk about and to one another. The incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ, the God-man. The vicarious Blood atonement, Christ's sacrifice in our place on the cross, justification by faith alone in Christ alone, the necessity of sanctification, the reality of eternal heaven and equally eternal hell, the Bible as the inspired and inerrant. An authoritative written word of God if a teacher fails to teach any of these essentials true Christians have a duty and that duty is get out of there get out of there that teacher is a wolf that teacher is a wolf I don't empty out most churches in this world That's why Jesus says in verse 16, you, that's you, you, cannot be fed on false teaching. You cannot gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. You can't be fed on false teaching. You cannot be nurtured on false doctrine. The bad fruit here, uh, the, the origin of the word here is putrid. It's decomposing fruit. Bad fruit makes you sick. And if it's bad enough, it'll kill you. It's poison. You cannot grow in Christ by attending a church where the whole word of God the whole counsel of God is not preached. It can't be done. Some people said, well, yeah, Jesus Jesus had dinner with the Pharisees. The Apostle Paul went to, went, went to the Areopagus in Athens where the pagans were, surrounded by those pagan altars and temples. Yes, he did. But he did not worship with them And he did not pray with them, and he did not fellowship with them. He preached to them. And if they run away, they run away. It's a Christian's duty to leave a false church. When talking about biblical marriage, very conservative Christians often quote this verse from the Apostle Paul. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Commonly applied to marriage, that Christians must, as Paul also says, be uh, married only to other Christians. They must enter into marriage, just a little tiny footnote. That doesn't mean that if two pagans get married and one becomes a Christian, that the Christian has a right to leave. Paul makes that very, very clear. Okay, that's not grounds for divorce. But Christians have no right to enter into marriage with non-Christians. That's one of the most common uh, issues of church discipline in my experience. When members of your congregation, somebody decides they want to, they're so in love, and they can be a good influence, and... The Word of God says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, and that is most certainly a yoking. And yet that is true, that that, that's a fair uh, conclusion from these verses, but it's not what Paul's talking about. Paul is not talking about marriage. He goes on. He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion, okay, koinonia, what communion has light with darkness. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 14. Come out from among them. You must be holy because I am holy, God says, some may wrongly think, well, perhaps I can be of help. I can be a good influence here. The word of God says, come out from among them. You cannot serve God by disobeying God. Simple as that. You cannot serve God by disobeying him. Christians should take fair warning from the Word of God. I know there are lots of people in mainline denominations, for example, that have gone apostate. that are clearly apostate. And there's lots of people who are professing Christians, but they're absolutely ignorant of the Word of God. And in their ignorance, they're disobeying God. I'm in the mainline church because I'm not going to abandon the ship. The ship is sunk. Stay and fight while it's afloat, but when it sinks, you have a duty, and your duty is to come out from among them and be holy, because I am holy. It's your duty, and the apostle gives a stark warning. There's a kind of, there's a possibility of of an arrogance in that position. I know, you know, they they feel like they're doing the right thing, but it's really arrogant. The apostle writes. Do not be deceived. This is one of Paul's famous do not be deceived verses. He has a whole slew of them. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15.33, and you are not immune. You're not immune. Fifthly and lastly, I want you to notice that false prophets are not only on the prow and within the church, they are deadly, they are discernible, and fifthly, they are doomed. They are doomed. Verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. False prophets, false teachers, and those who follow them will be cut down and thrown into the fire. The broad and comfortable way only leads to destruction. It does not lead to eternal life. It never did, it never could, it never will. And the false teachers, in particular, will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Hell is real, and hellfire is. Is real. I know how popular it is, and some very big name theologians, toward the end of the 20th century, started to deny either hell itself or to deny its its uh, eternity, its unendingness. But the pit is bottomless. What's that mean? Why bother saying that? The souls there will sink. Deeper for all eternity. The fire will never be quenched. The exact same word that Jesus uses about heaven, everlasting or eternal, depending on your translation, is the exact same word he uses for hell. If hell is not eternal, neither is heaven. Give it up. Don't be a false prophet anymore. Just say, I don't believe this stuff. Walk away. The fire will never be quenched. The worm will never die. That worm, that agonizing dis- destroyer of body and soul, those bodies and souls in hell will never escape their misery, ever. And Jesus is saying, amongst the most tormented in hell will be false teachers. That's what verse 19 says. Every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Every tree. Well, how about false teachers, false prophets? Uh huh. They have ravaged men's souls like ravenous lions, like ravenous wolves. And since, think about this now since those who have followed those false teachers right into eternal destruction. Those who followed them will never escape. What about the punishment of those false teachers? It'll be worse, and it will never end. The doctrine is of eternal hell is all over the Bible. It can only be denied by denying the inspiration of the Bible. Give it up. And by denying the Christ who constantly, if you're going to get tired of hearing me say this, as we go through the book of Matthew, how often Jesus brings up the topic of hell and fire. In the Sermon on the Mount, he's already, go back and check it, according to my count, anyway. The Sermon on the Mount, so far, he has already mentioned hell, eternal destruction, explicitly five times. And it's not over to say nothing of the gospel according to Matthew. And it's not new Okay. This morning, I chose Psalm sixty-three for our morning psalm on purpose. You could take a look at that if you, if you're inclined to do that. The psalmist takes great pleasure in God. My soul followeth hard after Thee. Thy right hand upholds me. There's the perseverance of the saints because of the preservation of God. My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. And then, what does the psalmist say? But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth, they shall fall by the sword, they shall be a portion for foxes or a prey for jackals, you might say. But the king shall rejoice in God, everyone that sweareth by him. That's faith. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies. Whether that's, I, I, very often I think in the Psalms, the, the, uh, the, the enemies that are discussed um, are explicitly the demons. Those are the ones who say, unto you daily where is your God they say it in a million different ways but there are earthly enemies too and chief among them are the false teachers but the mouth of them that speak lies because false doctrine is a lie it's a plain ordinary lie the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped And the psalm sort of crashes. (laughs) It's over. That's the last word. We don't put a a sweet cherry on top. We just say the truth. Why? God, God is holy. And he hates blasphemy. And false doctrine is blasphemy. Yes. And God loves his own... And he is angry with those who speak lies to people in Christ's name. And God has sworn to recompense those who pervert the way of truth for their own purposes. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, you who are truth, and love and mercy and tenderness itself have given us warning. Oh how we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would write that warning in our minds and on our hearts and oh that you would preserve us and our loved ones and all the true church of Jesus Christ from the ravenous wolves and the roaring lions. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.